It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Panthers, your daily Carolina Panthers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, as always, Julian Council, talking Carolina Panthers with you every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and yes, Friday. Your team every day. That's our motto here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Make sure to watch our show and subscribe to our show over on our Locked On Panthers YouTube channel. We're following every Carolina Panthers game. I go live right there to break it all down and also go live whenever there's any live breaking news like the Christian McCaffrey trade earlier this year. Don't think I went live for Matt Rule getting fired, but you get the point. Check it out there. If you ever miss any of those live episodes of Locked On Panthers on YouTube. That's okay. You can check us out wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Just be sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you never miss a single episode of the show. And be sure to follow me, Julian Council, on Twitter, at Julian Council, where every single Friday I answer your weekly Friday mailbag questions here on the show. To participate in this week's edition of the weekly Friday mailbag on Locked On Panthers, either at me or DM me over on Twitter, at Julian Council. Today's episode of Locked On Panthers is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Let's start off here on today's show. I look at Sunday's matchup as a potential trap game for the Carolina Panthers. I know, I know, I know. It sounds crazy. Carolina's 5-8, and eight, Pittsburgh's 5-8, and eight, the Steelers stink, and up until the last two games, the Panthers stink. And you could still say it considering it's a 5-8 and eight football team through 14 weeks of the season. Like It's not like they're a great team, but they certainly have turned into a far better team than... They were earlier this season, and then anyone expected them to be after firing Matt Rule, after watching both defensive line coaches leave, after watching Phil Snow leave, Ed Foley leave, Evan Cooper leave, McCaffrey leave, uh, Robbie Anderson leave. Am I missing anyone else? So you kind of understand where I'm coming from in a point where like, I can understand why people can sit back and be like, all right, trap game. How the hell could it be a trap game? The Panthers are no good. The Steelers are no good. Okay, the Panthers have gotten better. Steve Wilkes has done a hell of a job. He's put himself in consideration for the head coaching job. I know some of y'all want to go ahead and take up the interim tag. I told y'all yesterday why you can't do that, the Rooney rule. And I know Steve Wilkes is black, but still probably should not deny other black candidates an opportunity to still talk to the coach or to the owner, David Tepper, even if you want to hire a black man at all. Like, Demico Ryan should still get an opportunity to interview for this job. Other minority candidates should still get an opportunity to interview for this job. David Tepper should cast a wide net. Steve Wilkes' job, though, is to win out and to make it very obvious after Tapper speaks to all these other candidates that the right man, the man who's dedicated to the job, is him. But in order to do that, he needs to avoid losing on Sunday against Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, it's a trap game in my opinion because when you look ahead at what remains on the Panthers' schedule, you have the Detroit Lions next week. I know, it's the Lions. You're thinking, okay, what about Detroit? Like, Why would that even be a team that you'd be concerned about? Well, Detroit's 6-7. and seven. 
They just beat the Vikings. They have a big game on Sunday against the Jets, who are also a team in the AFC that are trying to get to the playoffs as a wild card. Detroit can play their way into the playoffs and could potentially get to 9-8. and They could be even 10-7 and if they went out. Like That is a football team that is playing much better. They've had a great offense all season long, and defensively they've really stepped up. So you look at the Pittsburgh Steelers, who are by far the worst team remaining on the Panthers' schedule, and the Panthers have the fifth easiest remaining strength of schedule in the National Football League heading into Week 15. The Pittsburgh Steelers, when you look at their – Point differential, they're a negative 66. Detroit's a plus two. Tampa, like Carolina, they're a minus 30. And New Orleans is minus 32 as well with the worst point differential in the NFC South. So the only team out there that looks actually, you know, good, because that's a really good indicator to tell who is a team that actually is good. Like, look at Minnesota. They might have 10 wins, but they currently have a negative point differential after losing to the Lions on Sunday afternoon. The Lions are a decent team. And they're a team that the Carolina Panthers absolutely should have their attention focused on, but not right now. And Steve Wilkes, I don't get all that concerned considering he's talked about how he's not concerned about his future. He has 13 weeks to do it his way, and that's all he's thinking about. He's not concerned about Detroit or Tampa or New Orleans. He's focused on the Pittsburgh Steelers. So we know he's focused, but are the, are the guys focused? I would hope they would be. I would imagine they would be. But still, in the NFL, where any given Sunday you can – probably make the argument that there's not really trap games. Maybe trap game is not the right word to use. But to me, Pittsburgh's bad. And you look ahead, you got a very important game against Detroit after that against a team that I think that's going to be a four-quarter game, like most NFL games turn out to be anyways. And in that Tampa at New Orleans, two big-time divisional games, like you beat Tampa, you're firmly in a driver's seat, then you got to go to New Orleans and don't blow it there. Well, I think even if the Panthers were managed to have some sort of issue there, they could still get into the playoffs. But this week, to me, is about avoiding a bad loss against Pittsburgh. We already know what the stands are going to look like. Steve Wilkes talked about we got to protect the bank and we have the best fans in the NFL and that we can't allow the Steelers fans to go in there and take over. They're going to stay. They're going to take over. It's going to be like that. And I saw, um, I think it was Vast I Heard, Carolina Blitz put out there that the cheapest ticket on StubHub right now is $121, which uh, really is not a, that expensive considering it's an NFL game. At least I don't believe it's that expensive. Um and I'm a podcast, so it's not like I'm making a ton of money. Either way, I'll, I'll be curious to see how many people get their butts in the seats there. And it's got to be, in my opinion, like one of the bigger home games that we've had. Like last year when Cam came back, it was a big home game. The Panthers were back at 500. The thought is, all right, Cam's going to come here, save the season. And there was some real energy. I don't know if the energy is going to be like that on Sunday, but there has, there's a chance that it could be. Because you're coming off of two straight wins, you won three straight at home, and you're playing a Pittsburgh team that I think fans are going to be charged up to play, a team that fans expect to beat, and that's only going to lead to the home finale against Detroit next week against a team that could very well be coming in at 7-7 seven and seven and right in the thick of things in the wild card race in the NFC. Now, when I look at it too, Carolina's got to beat Pittsburgh. Got to win that game. Must win. I imagine they beat New Orleans. The Tampa game still is the most important game left on the schedule. Now, the, the one that's on your schedule that week is the most important game. And the more you keep winning, the more important these games get at the end of the season, especially for the Carolina Panthers. If they went out, they're in the NFC. They're the NFC South champs. They're the four seed. They're hosting Dallas most likely, and they're playing in the playoffs at home at Bank of America Stadium for the first time since January of 2015 and, or 2016, I guess, technically. I want that to happen, of course. But when you look at it, like Detroit, that's a game you could lose. If we're really being honest with ourselves, that is a game the Carolina Panthers 
could lose. Not a game that you want them to lose, but a game they could lose. Tampa, that is a game that you cannot afford to lose. You have to be able to have the tiebreaker over Tampa. And as I pointed out to y'all on Monday or on Tuesday's show, rather, Peter King brought this up. If, the, if Cincinnati beats Tampa on Sunday, which I think they will, and if Tampa, or sorry, if Atlanta beats New Orleans, which I think they will, and Carolina beats Pittsburgh, which I think they will as well, there will be a three-way tie atop of the NFC South. Now, looking at the remaining schedule for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, after that, or really, yeah, after that, would be at Arizona, who just lost Kyler Murray for the season with the torn ACL. They're already a bad team anyways, so that's a team that Tampa, I know on the road, probably needs to beat. Um, then they get home against Carolina. Then their final game of the season is at Atlanta, where that's a toss-up to me. So if they lose on Sunday to Cincinnati, the Panthers take care of business, Tampa's likely either 7-10 and 10 or 8-9. and nine. For Atlanta, next week they have at Baltimore, which should be a big fat L, whether it's Tyler Huntley or Lamar Jackson. That's a game the Baltimore Ravens should win, and the Baltimore Ravens need to win if they want to win the division against especially with Cincinnati right there as a hot team in the NFL. Then Atlanta plays at home against the Cardinals, which I think should be a win because Kyler Murray's out and they're a bad team. And then it's a toss-up game at home against Tampa Bay where, like Tampa Bay, they're likely either 7-10 and or 8-9. and So if the Panthers were to slip up against Pittsburgh or Detroit, it really would not hurt them as long as they win the two divisional games. I say that because... The Carolina Panthers would then finish 8-9. and nine. They'd be 5-1 and one in the division. And if the Falcons finish off 8-9 and nine and 3-3 three and three in the division, the Carolina Panthers have the tiebreaker over Atlanta over division record. And if you base it off of Tampa, who would be 8-9 and 4-2 and and in the division, the Carolina Panthers would have that head-to-head over Tampa Bay after going 2-0 and against them in the season. So the Panthers still actually crazy enough have a margin for error when it comes to the divisional race. But we don't want to use it. We want to keep winning. You want to take that momentum, win six straight, and be ready for Dallas come Super Wild Card Weekend here in Charlotte. That's what you want to happen. I'm just letting y'all know, though, if they do fall into that trap and lose to Pittsburgh, which I don't think they will, fingers crossed, can't ever put it past this team, of course. But more likely, and I don't think it's going to happen, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but more likely if they lost to Detroit, they could still bounce back, beat Tampa, beat New Orleans, be 8-9, be A-OK, and in the playoffs because tiebreakers over Atlanta or Tampa, the Panthers should have that one in the bag. So there's just a thought for you there. Avoid that trap, but if you do get trapped, things should be OK. Now, there's a lot of concern, of course, that the Panthers are a playoff team and what happens in the draft that they can get a quarterback. Now, Todd McShay. Came up with his first mock draft of the year. You know, y'all know me. I'm not much of a mock draft guy come December. But I think we're going to have a fun draft season, especially as the Panthers are going to be linked with some of these quarterbacks coming up here in this 2023 NFL draft. And he mocked a certain quarterback at the University of Florida that the Panthers might take. And also he raised his eyebrows at the potential of that happening and brought up the thought of the Panthers maybe trading up. We'll get into that here in just a moment on Locked on Panthers. But before we do, today's episode of Locked on Panthers is brought to you by our friends over at LinkedIn. These days, every potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have the access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. It's so easy to create a free job post on LinkedIn Jobs. And once you do, make sure to add the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. 
Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash NFL. That's linkedin.com slash NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. This episode of Locked On Panthers also is brought to you by our friends over at Audible. Audible is releasing a slate of new football podcasts that we're sure you're going to love. That's why you'll be able to find a sneak peek of the Think Like a Champion available right now as a bonus episode on Locked On Presents. Think Like a Champion is a brand new podcast from Russell Wilson and Audible. Russ is a champion on the field, not in 2022 though, but off of it, we rarely know the grind on the path to greatness. (laughs) Here, two-time Super Bowl champion and MVP Von Miller delivers sharp insights about performing at your highest levels of moments or of pressure or in moments of pressure, rather, or NCAA champion Tim Kebo discuss how to find your unique personal mission in the world. Russ is joined alongside co-host Harry Wilson and the late Trevor Moad as they dig into high-performance athletes, artists, and leaders push the boundaries of their potential. Head over to the Lockdown Presents for a sneak peek of Think Like a Champion or catch the full series available wherever you get your podcast available everywhere now. Audible, get in the game. Again, make sure to follow me on Twitter at Julian Council. Uh, send me in a mailbag question for Friday at me or DM me there on Twitter at Julian Council. Click the follow button first. Uh, getting plenty of people who are asking about the quarterbacks, and that's going to be a constant question. I'm just wondering how many variations of the same question can I get from Carolina Panther fans from now all the way up until the draft and the Carolina Panthers probably take a quarterback in the first round, whether they are in the top ten or they're in the 20s because they won a division. Now, let's get into this. Because Todd McShay, he is an ESPN draft analyst, as y'all know, also does some college football work on the sidelines throughout the college football season. He came out with his first mock draft on a Tuesday morning, and he mocked the Carolina Panthers selecting Anthony Richardson, quarterback of the University of Florida, 11th overall. So that suggests that he believes the Panthers will not win a division and that they will be right there at 11th overall, which would also put them behind the Atlanta Falcons, who he thinks would select Will Levis out of Kentucky. He had the Lions taking C.J. Stroud, and then he had the Houston Texans taking Bryce Young out of Alabama. Now, this is what he had to say as far as his reasoning for the Panthers to take Anthony Richardson, saying, okay, this is this one's going to raise some eyebrows. Full disclosure, taking Richardson this early is way too rich for my, for my blood. He lacks experience and isn't NFL ready. We've seen a quarterback with 13 or fewer starts go this high only two other times since 2000 per ESPN stats and information. That would be Alex Smith and Mitch Trubisky. Um, got a correction there for you all in a second. But what choice do the Panthers have? If they can't find an answer in free agency and end up picking outside the top 10, they might resort to desperate measures in desperate times. Richardson's physical traits are excellent, too, including elite mobility, great size. He's 6'4", 232 pounds, and a rocket arm. If Carolina can make a savvy coaching hire and get the right staff in place to develop him, then this could absolutely work. The Panthers have been outside the top 20 in QBR for the past four seasons and are last in this year in 21.9. So it's time to invest in a signal caller in the draft, even if that means reaching a bit. One other thing to watch, I think the Panthers could try to get ahead of the Falcons and Colts to draft Will Levis. By the way, he had the Colts not taking Richardson. He had the Colts taking Peter Skoronsky, who's a left tackle out of Northwestern. So interesting that he had the Lions taking a quarterback, 
when it feels like they don't need to take one because Jared Goff's been playing really well and they're right there in the thick of the playoff picture. And then he doesn't have the Colts taking quarterback when it's very obvious the Colts need to take a quarterback. But I don't know. Now, let me correct Todd McShay here. I know the fine folks at uh, ESPN Stats and Info, um, or they're known as SIG up there in Bristol. I know they do a great job. But uh, that's not true as far as Alex Smith being someone who started 13 or fewer starts in college. Alex Smith was a two-year starter at Utah. He went 21-1 and in those starts. He finished fourth in the Heisman race back in 2004 uh, where they went 12-0 and and won the Fiesta Bowl. And by the way, his coach was Urban Meyer that year. Then he went on to be the number one overall pick in San Francisco. Had some success, but never the kind of success that they hoped that he would have. Went to Kansas City, had success there. And we know what happened to him in Washington. He's now working at ESPN. Alex Smith had a pretty good career, honestly. And when you compare it to what some other number one picks have done, like Baker Mayfield, he's had a better career than Baker Mayfield. Now, did he have like the Hall of Fame career? Of course not. And there's a lot of expectations when you get drafted in San Francisco. So that is incorrect. Now, Mitch Trubisky, we did see in Chicago, first year under John Fox was a wash, first year, a second year in the league, but first year under Matt Nagy. They go to 12-4, and win a division. Cody Parkey, double doink. And the entire offseason, Nagy blames a kicker, even though he's supposed to be this offensive genius. Year three, doesn't go great. Year four, Trubisky gets benched by for Nick Foles, and they do go out to the playoffs. He wins the MVP in that loss of the Saints, the Nickelodeon very uh, valuable player, by the way, and against the Saints in that game, and he gets scapegoated. And one more year, one year later, uh, both the GM there, Ryan Pace, and the head coach Matt Nagy get fired. And for whatever reason, Mitch Trubisky sitting on the bench last year in Buffalo gets an opportunity in Pittsburgh, and that has not gone well. Fingers crossed it doesn't come back to bite us in the ass this upcoming Sunday with Kenny Pickett's status up in question being in a concussion protocol. But Trubisky, I'm a Carolina fan, Tar Heel fan, so I watched him play. Barely played at all. He looked great when he came in for Marquise Williams anytime. Like, well, Harry Fedora believed in him. Like, hey, okay, it's third down and 10. Like, okay, whatever. I think Mitch Trubisky can go out there and get it done. And he converted plenty of times. And I was excited to see what he could do. And he ends up being the number two pick. And it was kind of crazy to me because I also watched Deshaun Watson that year in the ACC. And I also watched Lamar Jackson. Well, Lamar wasn't coming out, but Mitch Trubisky was not the best quarterback in that draft. and was not the best quarterback in his conference. So I can see how that did not work out. Now, Alex Smith is not a great example, but having experience is important. Anthony Richardson split time last year with Emory Jones down at Florida, who then transferred to Arizona State, didn't play there. Now he's back in the portal doing the whole thing that college players are doing nowadays, trying to find a home even though you're not good. Um, and then he started this year, looked awesome week one against Utah, looked like a Heisman Trophy winner. Then the next week against Will Levis in Kentucky, Will Levis looked great. Richardson looked bad. And he had a lot of those games where it was up and down, up and down, where he needs more time. And I understand him coming out because he'll get drafted. Hopefully someone will give him time to develop. Maybe he should have stayed at Florida. I don't know. The guy's going to make a lot of money coming to the NFL. Would have made a lot of money on NIL. Probably would make more than in the NFL as a first-round pick, of course. But it's going to take some time. And the Panthers do have a choice. They don't have to be desperate. They don't have to take Anthony Richardson if they don't believe in him. Like They can, they can afford to take a player like Richardson, especially if they go to the playoffs, because they can then wait. They don't have to necessarily play him right away. And that's what it seems to sound like with McShay saying, hey, get the right staff and this can work. Okay, if it can work, then why is it a reach? Why is it an eyebrow raiser to you, Todd? If the Panthers, whether it's with Wilkes or someone, take their time, allow him to be ready when he's ready, and then have a bridge, maybe Sam Darnold again or someone else out there like they should have done with Teddy Bridgewater, 
then that's not a bad plan at all. And whether the Panthers are in the playoffs or not, they can always trade up. If you're in love with the guy, they'll go out there and get him. Like, I would rather that than settling for a player that you don't love. Like, taking a quarterback just to take a quarterback, like they did with Matt Corral. Let them feed you whatever propaganda that they want with the whole Panthers confidential and all that stuff from the offseason saying how much they love Corral and they value him as their top quarterback. This quarterback class was trash anyways, y'all. So let's not even sit here and act like that's some sort of great thing. They took him in the third round. They traded up to get him. They could have sat there in the fourth round and still got him. They didn't love Matt Corral. So, come on. And especially if they're going to look at taking another quarterback and the owner wants a rookie quarterback. They don't love Matt Corral. They lie to you. And some of y'all ate that, that stuff up. Almost cursed there. Wanted to, but can't. So, come on. I- ignore that. For me, too, and you're going to say, like, oh, I don't want to give up assets. Look at two teams that are top of the AFC right now that were playoff teams like the Panthers could be and then went up there and got a quarterback. Like, Buffalo, it took them 17 years to get to the playoffs. They went to the playoffs with like Tyrod Taylor and Nathan Peterman, the Peterman. That's what they did. They went to the playoffs with those guys. And then they decided after that, hey, we need a quarterback. They went up and traded for Josh Allen. Now, in early March of that year, Brandon Bean, former assistant GM here in Carolina, traded away offensive lineman Cordy Glenn and a first-round pick and a fifth-round pick to Cincinnati to move to 12. After that, on draft night, they shipped two second-round picks in that year's draft, Tampa Bay, in exchange for the number seven pick. So they give a player. They move their first-round pick. They give a fifth-round pick and two second-round picks, get up there, and take Josh Allen, and it has worked out spectacularly for them. And Brandon Bean's done a great job building the roster around him. Look at Patrick Mahomes, who did redshirt for a year. He might fit kind of the mold that you have for Anthony Richardson. You can always wonder what Patrick Mahomes would have done had he been healthy, had he been able to start that year, and had it not been Alex Smith. Because he has been phenomenal every year since, and you have to wonder if the Chiefs miss an opportunity that year. But it's worked out for him. And with Patrick Mahomes, the Chiefs gave up their first-round pick. They traded that to move up to 10. And they also gave up their third-round pick that year. And then a first-round pick in the following year. And it's worked out for them with Patrick Mahomes. So two teams that did not give up a ton, in my opinion, to get their quarterback. Look at what San Francisco gave. They gave up three first-round picks. to get. They gave up their first-round pick. They swapped that and gave up two other ones to get up and get Trey Lance. And so far, that has not worked out for them. That is far more then what Buffalo gave up and the multiple trades they used to get Josh Allen and what Patrick, what the Chiefs traded to get Patrick Mahomes. Like, I don't think it's a crazy thing to still trade up. Like, if you want, if you love a guy, go out there and get him. You can still do it. I don't think people should be all that concerned. Like, I get it. Oh, you want to hold on to draft picks. People need to be all that upset and concerned about, oh, can we still get a quarterback? Like, yes, there are ways to do it. You can absolutely get it. Like, you're not going to get the top pick because obviously Houston's going to take one. But the other guys after that, if you love one of them and you really think they're the answer, then go out there and do it. Now, it's interesting to me, too, that Todd McShay thinks that the Panthers could try to get ahead of the Falcons and Colts and draft Will Levis. What that tells me, he has inside information that David Tepper likes Will Levis. And it's not a, it's not a surprise at all to me. I honestly believe that Will Levis, come draft time, will be the number one pick. I think the Texans are going to talk themselves into Will Levis because he's got the traits, man. He's tall, big arm, athletic, can really run it. He's a he's a, he's a fine prospect. Looked really good in Leon Cohen's offense, who's now leaving the Rams, go back to Kentucky to be the OC. He knows how to run a pro system. I get it. I see why people like Will Levis. I've also watched Will Levis for two years in Kentucky, and in no way is he better than C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young. But I can see 
as NFL teams do, talking themselves into the traits more than to the actual player. Because that's what they do with Mr. Bisky. They talk themselves into the traits instead of the actual player, which is Deshaun Watson. But the Panthers like Willow. If they love him, then, you know, by all means, go out there and do it. I still think that whether they make the playoffs or not, they have the means, especially after trading McCaffrey and Anderson, to go up there and get the quarterback that they want. I just hope they do it because they actually love the guy and they don't do it because it's like, oh, man, we have to do something. But we'll see how it works out here in the end. And all that obviously is dependent upon what happens over the next couple of weeks. And I do think there's an argument out there to be said that the Carolina Panthers might be the most interesting team in the NFL right now, heading into the final four weeks of the season. I'll tell you all why here in just a moment on Locked on Panthers. But before I do, this episode of Locked on Panthers is brought to you by Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source of sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from pro football to the college bowl season, the basketball and the World Cup, Argentina, Messi. Going to get one last chance to cross off the final box in his illustrious career as the greatest soccer player of all time. It's not Cristiano Ronaldo. It's Lionel Messi, the Argentinian wonder, who apparently is going to play in MLS. Hopefully he comes up here um, and plays against Charlotte FC. They got you all covered there at Bet Online. If you love sports podcasts like this one, you can also find those there at Bet Online as well. They are always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet Online, where the game starts. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I believe that there's an argument that the Carolina Panthers are one of the most interesting teams in the NFL right now and may be the most interesting team in the NFL. I know it's easy for me to say that I do a daily podcast, so I have to try and find something that's interesting about this football team. And thankfully, the Carolina Panthers have gone from 3-8 and eight to now 5-8 and eight and in control of their destiny if they win the next four games, they will be NFC South Division champions for the first time since 2015 and host a playoff game likely against the Dallas Cowboys. And I hope that happens. So they have given me things to be excited about and to talk about. And I certainly have way more fun talking about this team when they're winning. I understand all the things that fans want as far as, you know, there's fans who want them to win. Like, bleep it. Let's go ahead and win the division. I know there's fans out there be like, oh, man, no, guys. Like, let's just, like, be bad. Let's be bad. Let's get a quarterback. Let's get another coach. Like, let's not settle. And I totally understand that. And everyone's feel to feel – they're free to feel however they feel about this team because that's the way you can be a fan of this team. Even though I kind of just, like, always find it goofy to be like – Nah, actually, I want my team to lose because, like, the whole point of sports is to win and try to win championships. And maybe the best way to win a championship is by getting a quarterback eventually. I mean, yes, eventually you need to get one, but does it have to be now? I don't know. But I say this, though, 
to go through all that to say that I do think this is a very interesting team at this point in time because look at it. Steve Wilkes, who came to Carolina after being in Arizona for a year, getting an unfair shot there. We've seen how the general manager, Steve Kime, has done since he left. It's not working out at all. Cliff Kingsbury's replacement, who failed in the at college at Texas Tech because it's Texas Tech, tough job. Then he thought the best job he could get was the OC job at USC, only to find out that, no, he had a losing record in college, so now he's going to get elevated to an NFL job. And it has not worked out. They got up to a great start last year, but since then they have been among the worst teams in the NFL, and somehow he got a contract extension. And I don't know what Michael Bidwell, the owner, is doing out there in uh, Arizona but he probably should look at maybe finding a real coach. But Steve Wilkes goes from there. Then he spends time in Cleveland as a defensive coordinator under Freddie Kitchens. Goes to college at Missouri under Eli Drinkwich, which is just gross to me. That that man had to work under Drink of all people. Then takes some time off. Comes back to Charlotte. And we knew from the beginning that, like, hey, this is a very likely possibility that Steve Wilkes could be um, the interim coach if Matt Rule fails. And when he did, he became the interim head coach. And all that – Going along with Steve Wilkes is currently suing the league and Arizona for their hiring practices as it pertains to minorities as he got a raw deal in Arizona. And the hope is now that Steve Wilkes might be getting an actual fair chance to be the head coach here in Carolina as he has his team four and four under his tutelage and in control of their playoff hopes moving into the final four weeks of the season. And it's not just Steve Wilkes who's having a kind of a redemption arc, if you want to call that, because he didn't get a fair shot, but still he's getting a second chance. How about Sam Darnold? The Panthers spent the entirety of the offseason trying to kick the tires on Russell Wilson, who didn't want to come here. Thank God. And they tried to get Sean Watson, who didn't want to come here. Thank God. <laughs> they went after Baker Mayfield. That failed at first. They decided, all right, let's bring in Matt Corral, but then said, well, we have him, but he's not really competing with Sam, so we probably need to do something else. And then eventually Matt Rule saying, I got to save my job. I got to save my job. Uh, Baker. Okay, Baker wants a job. We always knew it was going to happen, and Baker was the worst quarterback that they had all season long. Congrats, Baker, for what happened last week at SoFi as he brought back the Rams in that game on his third day on the job. But he was terrible here in Carolina, and there were reasons why, and we've been over those reasons. And P.J. Walker, he had his opportunity as well. And we always wonder, like, would Sam get another opportunity? Would he get another chance? And we know what Sam was last year. I think the a lot of the story in Sam Darnold's written here in Carolina, but the book is not closed just yet. Sam has a chance in the next four weeks to position himself for another shot either here in Carolina next year or maybe elsewhere. I mean, look at Arizona. With Kyler Murray out with an ACL, he's going to miss a big portion of the season next year, I would imagine. And that's the case, a guy like Sam Darnold might get a chance to you know be the starter for a little bit of time in Arizona or maybe Baker or someone else. But Sam is playing for a job elsewhere. And I've already endorsed Sam Darnold coming back as that veteran backup. We're seeing the last two weeks – against Denver, and against Seattle, Sam Darnold can come in here. We've already known this. He can come in he can win you a couple games. He's not playing well. He hasn't turned the football over. Yeah, Tariq Woolen, who has six picks on the year, the rookie out of Seattle, or the rookie from Seattle who came out of UTSA, should have had that pick there on that opening drive when uh, Sam was trying to hit DJ Moore, which looked like it was going to be a touchdown. And Woolen did a great job coming off his man, just like J.C. Horn did, um, almost picked that off. And Sam had the fumble where he was able to recover it and roll into the end zone. So he has not turned the football over. And he hasn't really done a lot in the past game to get you all that jazzed up about what he's done. Like, I don't even think he's thrown for a combined 300 yards over the past two weeks as a starting quarterback for Carolina. But he's making enough good decisions, taking care of the ball 
at this point in time to where it's like, all right, you can win with him. Now, is that something you can win with over the course of 17 games? I think you need a little bit more. I really do. So I don't know necessarily Sam Darnold is going to be the guy moving forward, but he could maybe be a bridge if you do go the Anthony Richardson route or maybe if you bring in another quarterback like Will Levis and you don't think he's ready. Like, I think Will Levis, though, would be a day-one starter just based off of his, his experience in college and in an NFL system, especially – if you bring in someone who runs that Shanahan type of system, which is what basically everyone in the league is now doing. So Sam's playing for an opportunity here in Carolina, whether it's as a bridge or the backup, or he's playing for an opportunity elsewhere. And that's good for him. So there's that part of it. Also, this defense has been excellent. It's only a matter of time until the NFL recognizes just how good this Panthers defense is. I saw this from Football Outsiders today on Twitter that this defense has been the third best defense um, by DVOA over the past five weeks. J.C. Horn has been elite. The dude is just covering guys like it's it's amazing. Now, you just forget that D.K. Metcalf was out there. The only touchdown D.K. had was when Horn wasn't covering him. And you got T.J. Carey back there getting cooked. But J.C. Horn, he's got dudes on an island. He's been a Pro Bowl corner, and I hope – the rest of the league is seeing it. He might even be an all-pro if everything's all said and done. And you can maybe earn that over the next four weeks against some of these. Now, Pittsburgh doesn't really have someone you're going to be all that concerned about. Detroit, they got some playmakers. I'm on Ross St. Brown's been really good. You got Jamison Williams back there for them. I mean, he's got to get another chance like Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and then the Saints, of course. I mean, they're all banged up. So, I mean, who, who knows? Maybe Jason Horn, at least a pro bowler maybe. We'll see, but he's been excellent. Brian Burns has been really good this year, of course. And Frankie Luvu, the Tasmanian Devil, he's been a menace, man. This defense is playing at a high level. And the more they win, the more attention at ESPN, the NFL Network, Fox, everyone else is going to pay attention <coughs> to Steve Wilkes and his Carolina Panthers, and especially to the job that he's done to position them from 1-4 and four to 4-4 four and four in the last eight weeks, sitting at 5-8. and eight and right there with everything in the NFC South for the taking and to be in the dance. And once you get in it, anything can happen. I'm not saying Super Bowl, but certainly at home against Dallas, who what happens in the playoffs when the Dallas Cowboys get there? They lose. The Carolina Panthers absolutely could make a little tiny bit of noise if they get there. So to me, man, this is an interesting team, and I hope the rest of the NFL and the rest of the U.S. is paying attention to them. All right, that's going to wrap up this, this edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, hosted by yours, Julie. Julian Council, again, y'all, make sure to watch the show, subscribe to the show over on our Locked On Panthers YouTube channel. You can also make sure to check us out wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Just be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. And be sure to follow me, Julian Council, on Twitter, at Julian Council, where every single Friday I answer weekly Friday mailbag questions here on the show, either at me or DM me on Twitter, at Julian Council. In the meantime, be safe, be happy, be whole. As always, keep pounding, and I'll be back with you tomorrow as I talk to Chris Carter. Not the, not the Hall of Famer, but the guy who covers the Steelers for Locked on Steelers as it's yet another crossover Thursday here on Locked on Panthers. Until then, see you. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked on podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 
Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.